Our scripture reading for today is taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 19. And our Lord says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Maybe seated. <clears throat> when I was a young pastor, I was serving a church in southern Florida, and um, on my office wall, I had a map of the local area. And I would go out every week or so and canvas uh, some of the larger subdivisions nearby. There were a lot of brand new homes being built, hundreds of homes coming into the area. And there was one subdivision I remember, it had been there a, a few years anyway, a lot of nice homes, and uh, I would go in there every week and try to visit about 50 homes just to invite them to church, things like that. Uh, I remember in seminary, someone taught us a great way to canvas. I'll explain it to you because it's kind of interesting. He said, go up and knock on the door, and when someone comes to the door, immediately say, I'm not a politician or a salesman. And then, take a, uh, then say to them, I'm here from a local church. I'm just handing out invitations to our church. And then step back a few steps so they think you're going away. And then you say, do you have a local church? So I would do this at every house. And stepping back like that makes them feel like there's no intimidation. So my goal was to hand out as many invitations as I could to these hundreds of homes in the neighborhood that was maybe only a half mile away from our church. And quite frequently, people had moved down there from the Midwest, and they would say, well, we don't have a church home yet. We've only been here a couple years, and we'll maybe get around to it someday. That same subdivision would have their homeowners meeting uh, twice a year, and they would often use our sanctuary because it was one of the few buildings large enough. And so every once in a while, there would be a large gathering of the homeowners. There may be sometimes 150 or so people in there. I happened to go over to one one day because it looked like there was a larger crowd than usual. People were standing in the back. None of them who were in there happened to be members of our church. And up at the front, I remember, there was a lawyer and then a developer trying to explain some new apartments they were hoping to build in the area. And uh, this might possibly affect the value of some of these homes. And you would not believe the, how irate these people were yelling at the people up in the front and using horrible language in our sanctuary as they screamed at them about the fact that they were going to develop some apartments in the area. And I decided after that, no more using our sanctuary for these meetings. This is a house of God. You don't talk like that in God's house. A number of years later, I heard a lawyer who was being interviewed on the radio talk about homeowners associations. This is what he said. 
You have never seen the worst of humanity until you've gone to a property meeting in a condo community. <laughs> and uh, that really brought it home to me, to me that day. It's interesting how, how tight we can be about our possessions, how firm a grip we can have on that. Other things, maybe not so much, but my goods, my money, my property, don't you mess with that. That can easily become the thing that demands our hearts, demands our attention, becomes the treasure of our eye, becomes the thing that our, our eyes and our souls latch onto in this world. And it happens to believers too. It happens to Christians just as well as to unbelievers. That's why Jesus, he's talking here in the Sermon on the Mount to Christians, to believers, to those who already follow him. He sits them down and begins to teach them, we're told, and this is a, a good portion of his lesson to his church, to us. And that is to be careful of this because it's a, it's a sinful temptation that sneaks back in over and over into our lives, even as regular followers of Christ. Our Lord himself knows how powerful this temptation is. He knows that this is one of the chief weapons in the arsenal that the devil uses because he tried it on Christ. During Jesus' own temptation, he tempted him to, to fall for all the kingdoms of the world that he would give him if he would just bow down to him. And so if he's bold enough to use this on the Son of God himself who came into the world to get us out of our graves, he certainly is going to use it on you and me as well. Think about Judas, who was sitting here listening to this very, this very Sermon on the Mount. And how not long after this, think of all the, all the benefits he had as a believer to be able to be in the presence of Christ with miracle after miracle and to see him raise people back to life from the dead. Probably heard sermons like this regularly over and over and over again. One of our pastors who studies this type of stuff years ago said about one-third of the words in the Gospels recorded from the mouth of Christ deal with materialism and greed. That's, that's how dominant of an issue it can become for us. And um, so here's Judas, though, sitting and listening to this over and over and witnessing the power of Christ. And yet even he ultimately sells his relationship to Jesus for just a handful of coins. This, this is such a base root sin in all of us. And clergy are no different than the hearers out in the, in the congregation. We have such an attachment to the things we can get in this life. Teachers will often uh, use coins, nickels, dimes, and quarters to teach counting to, to children because there's, they're, they're drawing on the greed in them. They know how much kids want to get little bits of money. And it's an easy process to teach them fives and tens and twenty-fives and so on. Now, in the United States here especially, we are blessed with such abundant wealth around us. It just surrounds us everywhere. And so we, we, we get so used to it, we don't even think about how how amazing the wealth is that we get to live all around us. Think of, think of this, the city of Houston, Houston, Texas, the economy of Houston, Texas, um, would rank number 26 in the nation's economies. Just think of that. One city in the state of Texas 
is, is in a sense wealthier than all but 25 nations in the world. That's the kind of wealth that we have around us. And so it's an extra, I think an extra additional challenge for us here in our world. And especially with our children. Those of you that are students or young people that, that may um, go off and hope and pray you get to be parents and a wonderful blessing. But how challenging that is to teach our children and to, to keep your kids focused on the joys of heaven uh, rather than all the things that we can just get in this life. So Jesus warns us uh, frequently as we see in the text before us. And he warns us about the real end result of all the stuff we can get in this life. A theologian named John Gerhard says this, commenting on this text. He says, Our whole life is like a bubble waiting to burst. And when we die, our bodies provide a meal for worms. We carry earth with us as we walk, since that's what our bodies are made of. We walk on top of the earth, but in the end our bodies will just turn back into the ground again. So Jesus needs to remind us of this reality and keep this in front of us all the time. And so a heart of faith will, will look at himself, herself, and bring this back in check. And, and I know for myself, every time I read this or hear it in church or chapel or something, I, inside of me there's a thing that says, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> it just is a, a checkup that we need regularly to, uh, because this is such a powerful, luring temptation on all of us. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where all these negative things can happen, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, he says. Treasures in heaven. Think what kind of... Think, think of the treasures that there are in this life. Can you imagine how fantastic they must be in heaven? If, if God directs our eyes and hearts away from the things of this life because he knows he has so much greater things waiting and prepared for us, and to think that he, he had his son come down into the world to work out the plan of getting you to see that someday and enjoy that someday, and when he came to this life, he himself didn't even have any possessions, because he wanted to demonstrate to us the stuff we have here is worthless. It's all going to just rot away. He came to bring us a greater treasure. And he went and died on the cross to pay for all of the sins we've done wrong, even our greed and materialism and selfishness. And he, he didn't do that so that we can have better things in this life. He did that to get us out of this life in this world. Think, think of how valuable and tremendous heaven must be that God did not send his son into the world to make your life here better. In fact, knowing him and believing him might make your life more difficult sometimes. But he brought him here specifically to take you to a better place, a better home, a more wonderful country that we have waiting for us, all paid for already by the blood of Christ. Just by having faith in him, it's yours. Listen to how God describes that that beautiful home for you. St. John was given an opportunity to see it, and he writes for us, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And then I love this. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow or crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. So regularly our Savior directs us to that beautiful treasure in the mansion prepared for us. And he wants that to be the focus of our hearts and of our lives. And um, through his word and receiving his sacrament, uh, God keeps us always ready for the day he will take us to that beautiful home. Amen.